The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It was an exciting weekend of football, as you guys are well aware. Absolute insanity, man. Alabama destroys Georgia. Really wasn't much of a game in the second half. And it's one of those things, too. It's like we always talk about the greatness of Nick Saban. I don't know that we can talk about it enough. I mean, it's one of those things, too. It's like the fact that we're alive to witness all this up close and personal is uh, is pretty cool. But how do you pick against Alabama? It's like, you know, every, every time that it happens, you know, like this is the year that uh, – a lot of people said, well, you know, this isn't a great Alabama team. And I would venture to, to say that it's not as great as Alabama teams have been in the past, but here they are, number one seed in the playoffs. Kind of makes you kind of resign yourself to the fact that as long as Nick Saban's around, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Georgia can't seem to get her over the hump. Nick Saban continues to be the guy that really gives them all sorts of trouble. And so now the playoffs are set. We're going to get into the bowl pairings a little bit later in the show. It's just one of those things, too. It's like we almost kick ourselves a little bit. You know, Georgia's been so dominant defensively. I got caught up in that, too. And I don't feel bad about it. I mean, Georgia put together a historic run this year defensively. And then Alabama just does whatever they want to do. That was the thing that really surprised me is that Georgia couldn't cover Alabama. They just couldn't do it. Now, John Mechie sadly lost for the year to a suspected ACL tear. Didn't really slow Alabama down. But I was surprised, as many of you were. I went to the Columbia High School 4A state championship game, hustled back and time to make it for the second half of that game. And it felt like it was pretty much decided at halftime. And so, well, Steve, it was still a ball. It was, but Georgia had no juice. It's like Alabama came out and punched them in the mouth, and they were kind of like the old backyard bully, right? Nobody ever stood up to them. When somebody does, and they don't know how to play defense. We'll see what happens if there's a rematch. Yeah, it was one of the things that yesterday, kind of the thinking was that there were some people that would, um, would love to have an SEC semi but not an SEC final. But the way it breaks out, Alabama and Georgia win. They're both playing for a national championship. I think it'd be really cool. And I think it's cool that Cincinnati made the playoff. 
it kind of quiets down some of that whole rhetoric about, well, you know, they're always going to screw the G5 team. Give Cincinnati a lot of credit. And they beat a Houston team. And how crazy is it that Houston wins, what, 11 games and ends up going to a really bad ball game? BYU, similar situation. Had a really good year, going to a really bad ball game. There's power in the conference. All right, let's uh, talk a little basketball before we kind of get into the bulk of the show. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because, to be quite honest with you, football and recruiting are more important right now. But um, the uh, tough weekend on the hardwood if you're Mississippi State. The ladies go down to or up to Norman, Oklahoma, and get absolutely shelled 94-63. I didn't expect us to win this ballgame. I did think it'd be a little more competitive. But uh, the second quarter kind of proved to be the decisive quarter. We're down six after one, and then they they go on a 28-12 run there in the second quarter and essentially put the game away. We didn't win a single quarter. 1,400 saw it happen. 2 p.m. tip. Just didn't work out for us. Leading score for the Bulldogs, Anastasia Hayes with 21, Rakia Jackson with 14. And everybody knows we go as she goes. She is a volume shooter, 6 of 17. Got to have a better percentage from her in order for us to win games like this. Jerkelia Jordan uh, with 12. Those are your only three double-digit scores at Mississippi State. As a team, didn't shoot it exceptionally well. 36.8% as a team. Our best quarter of the first. And you close out the uh, the fourth quarter there, 5 of 17. That's just not going to get it done. 8 of 35 from three-point line. 5 of 8 from the line from free throw. we got to get to the lane more. You know, and that's part of the problem with missing, missing Jessica Carter. Is, you know, we don't have a post player down low that we can kind of toss it down there and get a cheap basket. Worst case scenario, get to the line. But just eight free throws uh, for the Lady Bulldogs. Kind of tough to win a ball game like that really is. And it's not always about officiating. Sometimes they let them play. You know, other times it's about us. It's about our, our inability or our unwillingness you know, to really force the action. Ladies will not be back in action until Sunday. It's finals week at Mississippi State, so there will be no basketball during finals week. The ladies return to action Sunday at 2 p.m. against UT Martin. That is an ESPN Plus broadcast. The men fared a little bit better, but it's a loss just the same. We don't believe in moral victories around here. And this is a ball game, too, that, you know, this is a good Minnesota team. They're undefeated 7-0. We knew it would be a real challenge. Talked about it on the show. We dig ourselves a huge hole early. What was it, 14-0 to start? And never really dug ourselves out of it. However, at the half, we're just down three. 35-32, we battle back, and we get it to within one a couple times, and every time we got close, Minnesota would stretch it back out. Uh, they win 81-76. Mississippi State had, had a good night from Iverson Molinar. 39 minutes of action, 26 points for him, pulled down five rebounds, six assists, just one turnover. Uh, Garrison Brooks posted double-double, 10 boards, 13 points. Those are your only double-digit scores. D.J. Jeffries, four of eight from the floor for nine points. Tolu Smith, and we got to have better production out of him. I know he's rounding back in the shape, but seven points for a guy like him, you know, playing the five, that's just that's not going to work. We've got to do a better job getting him touches in advantageous situations where he can get easy baskets. Just three of nine from the floor, one of three from the line. State actually shot it really well from the free throw line, 11 of 13. 
Pulled down 14 offensive rebounds, too. 42 boards in the game for us against just 27. So we dominated the glass. We didn't dominate the shooting, though. Minnesota 49.2 from the floor, which means that our defense can pick it up a little bit. But we're 43.8% from the floor, 31% from the three-point line. They were red hot early. 12 of 29 from three on the game for them. Kind of proved to be the difference there. Perimeter defense, that's one of those things, too, with – you know, Ben Howland, it's almost like we're, we're kind of content to let you take the low percentage shot. So if you can hit from outside, you're going to give us some trouble, and Minnesota did. 32 points in the paint from the Bulldogs, just seven points off turnover, 17 second chance points. That's attributed to all those great offensive rebounds. Just two fast break points, though. Now, some of that's Minnesota getting back on defense, and some of that's not us pressing the action. 16 points off the bench. The game was tied just once. Mississippi State never led. Very, very interesting. All right, so that's that. And then we'll be back in action on the men's side this Saturday. Again, no games this week during finals. We'll be on the road at Fort Worth, Texas in the Basketball Hall of Fame Classic against Colorado State. That's a 1 p.m. tip on ESPNU. So really nothing to cheer for this week when it comes to intercollegiate athletics if you're a Mississippi State fan. But we'll get back to it on the weekend. A lot of recruiting stuff to keep up with. We're going to spend a lot of time on the show uh, talking about recruiting, kind of where we stand, how I expect to finish, uh, and some updates on some names that you know. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, man, doing a great job for some great folks needing some great food. Outstanding effort, as always, from Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, I was there last week. I'll be back again this week. Looking forward to that. Really excited about what is to come for Bulldog Burger Company. There's a lot of consistency there. That's one of the things that I love about the place is that there is just so much consistency. I know exactly what I'm going to get when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. I know I'm going to get my money's worth, and you will too. Great food at a great price, great locations, three of them to serve you. Here we go. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, of course, the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Richmond Flowood area. Go by and check them out. Let them know that I sent you. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer, the best appetizer in Starkville proper without fail. Get that chocolate shake to go. If you love a great restaurant-quality hamburger, there's no better place to go than Bulldog Burger Company. You'll be glad you went. I'm a pimentology ad bacon person. I like to get um, you know, really more than I can eat, to be honest with you. And that's one of the things that makes Bulldog Burger Company so attractive is while other people are looking to downsize their portions – not them. You still get the full value. You still get the pre-quarantine portions with Bulldog Burger Company. While you're thinking of Bulldog Burger Company, let me encourage you, go to eatwithus.com and order some gift cards as Christmas gifts for the hungry people in your life, whether they be starving college students or some friends you know that could simply use a night out. Bulldog Burger Company can help you with that. Go again, that's eatwithus.com, a great place to eat, a great place to work. Go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's look at the bowl picture. And, of course, as these get closer, we'll begin to preview these games. But uh, we'll start at the top. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl in Arlington. That's Alabama versus Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Alabama should win that game. That, that said, I won't be the least bit surprised if Cincinnati doesn't hang in. This is their chance. They've had a great year. You know, it's just like they say, you know, like Ric Flair says, to be the man, you got to beat the man. You know, I th- honestly, I think Cincinnati has a puncher's chance to keep this game close. I just think against Nick Saban, 
it is just so difficult. And you're going to give this guy, you know, 25 days to prepare. I like Alabama in the game. I think you guys do too. But this Capital One Orange Bowl in Miami, Georgia versus Michigan, I mean, that could be awfully, awfully interesting. Michigan plays a very physical brand of football. They've got SEC caliber athletes too. So, I mean, it's not the least bit of a surprise that Michigan made it. I know a lot of people projected Ohio State to make it earlier in the year. I think we all just assume it'll be another rivalry game where Ohio State beats Michigan. Well, they get over the hump, they take care of the Buckeyes, and now they're in the playoff. You know, a year ago, people were saying Jim Harbaugh should be fired. And now here he is in the playoff. Has his team two wins away from a national championship. Pretty crazy to think about. The All-State Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss versus Baylor. It's the second one in uh, this decade uh, for the Rebels. Now, here's the thing. The Sugar Bowl is not what it once was, but it is still a prestigious game. And anybody can say otherwise is just being disingenuous. And maybe it's because we hadn't been. We got a little haterism in our game. You used to crown the SEC champion by winning the Sugar Bowl. Okay, well, that didn't happen anymore. Okay, that said, I want to go to the Sugar Bowl. We've never been. Ole Miss is getting to go for the second time since 2015. They played a uh, pretty pedestrian Oklahoma State team then. They're going to play the Big 12 champion Baylor Bears this time. And uh, Baylor, listen, with Dave Aranda, who thought in year two you'd have Dave Aranda and Baylor playing for a Big 12 championship and now in a New Year's Six Bowl? I didn't see that coming. And it's like I begin to ask myself, I don't, I don't know why, you know, the Big 12 has a lot of parity in it. Dave Aranda is a very cerebral coach. It'll be interesting to see what he cooks up defensively against Ole Miss. And one thing I'll share, too, is, you know, Ole Miss should be completely healthy by then. You know, we didn't, even though they beat us, we didn't get them at 100% health. They were still a little bit beat up, not as much as they had been down the stretch because they were able to kind of rest a couple of guys uh, late. But they beat us, and they weren't 100%. They will be much closer to 100% when they play Baylor. Dave Aranda will have a defensive scheme to try to slow Matt Corral down. Does he have the athletes that can execute it? That's a real question. I think there's a real good chance Ole Miss wins this ballgame. And uh, Matt Corral rides off into the sunset, makes NFL millions, and then we'll see what happens next year, right? But uh, there's no denying that Ole Miss had a great year this year. And you say, hey, you know, we, we had our chances to beat them. We did. And I go back to the thing, too. I think if you're looking at Ole Miss, the one thing that stands out to me and I, and I attribute this to coaching. There are a lot of games that you look at and say, you know what, hey, they could have lost, but they didn't. They didn't. You know, the one game you look at and say they lost and they probably should have won, obviously, is Auburn. They only had the two losses. I mean, the Alabama game wasn't close. The, the final score is not indicative of Alabama's dominance. It was a 35 nothing ball game at one point. But Ole Miss, you could say, well, you know what, they very easily could have lost Tennessee. They didn't. They very easily could have lost to Arkansas. They didn't. They very easily could have lost to Mississippi State. They didn't. Good teams find a way to win. And to say that Ole Miss is not a good team this year is just not, not being fair. It's just not being honest. They're a good team, and they have earned the, the right to be in the Sugar Bowl. I don't think there's any question about that. And they were built to win this year, and they have. They have. Still didn't get to Atlanta, and I know that's still a burr in a saddle, but the reality of it is uh, it's been a good year. The Citrus Bowl, and that's another one that I, we haven't been to either. Kentucky back in the Citrus, no real surprise. We've talked about that on our bowl projections here on the show. They'll get Iowa. Now, if you watched Iowa against Michigan, it wasn't much of a game. 
you know, Kirk Ferentz is a guy that's been in Iowa forever and a day. He's, he was mentioned, he used to get mentioned regularly for jobs, but clearly he's happy there in Iowa. You know, Kentucky, January one bowl game. You know, Mark Stoops and the guys in Kentucky, you know, they play in the East, you know, so they get the benefit of playing in the East. They're a lot like us. The difference is that because of the fact they play in the East, they almost kind of squeak out one more conference win a year and kind of stay ahead of us in the bowl pecking order. That's another bowl game I want to get to. Maybe next year, right? Maybe next year we can get to the Citrus. All right, so now we get to the SEC bowl pool, which is the um, what they call the group of six. Because, you know, the playoff is the playoff. That's picked by the committee. And then the Florida Citrus Bowl, they pick their team. Outside of that, the SEC kind of sets up the uh, the pairings. You know, I've told you guys before, it's like the bowls submit their top three teams, the teams submit their top three bowls, and then the, the conference works together. Now, I mentioned on the show a week or so ago, does geography play a factor in these bowl games? And it turns out that it did. That's the thing when I look at every bit of this, especially once you get outside of the Florida Bowls, the geography is a huge part of this. I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. Mississippi State, of course, taking on Texas Tech. We'll preview that a lot between now and December 28th. That's going to be a 545 game on ESPN. My hope is you'll just go watch it in person. I have no idea what the forecast is going to be. We're 22 days away. But the reality of it is, is that uh, Bulldogs back in the Liberty Bowl, not a big surprise to anybody that subscribes to jeanspage.com or listens to this show. Felt that was going to be the pick for the last week or so. It was Texas or Liberty, and then it really began to trend more towards Liberty when 13 teams became bowl eligible in the SEC. I know there are some people that are disappointed. Uh, I would have preferred to go to Texas because, we, again, we've never been. I'd love to go to the Texas Bowl, uh, climate-controlled stadium, NFL venue. We've got a great alumni base out there. That was my preference. But it makes sense that we go to Liberty. When you begin to rank the bowls, Liberty is the seventh in the pecking order. And you know what we finished in the SEC? Seventh. Seventh. So we're headed to Liberty and a chance for Mike Leach to kind of get some revenge against the Red Raiders. You guys know when when he left Texas Tech, it was not a very uh, tidy undertaking, to say the least. So so a lot of storylines with this one. Texas Tech, not a great team. We'll preview that again later in the uh, in the bowl season. I like the matchup. I think, you know, the last time we went to Liberty Bowl was 2013. And we had a young quarterback named Dak Prescott that was just really beginning to emerge as a starter. You know, that was a year that was pretty crazy. You know, Tyler Russell was a starter, gets hurt against Oklahoma State. And then Dak starts against all against uh, Alcorn, I guess was in Auburn, and then the next thing you know, we're off and running, and then Dak gets hurt. But Dak was 100% healthy, and so that year in the Liberty Bowl against Rice, it was a 44 to seven ball game. That was not truly indicative of Mississippi State's dominance. Jamion Lewis sets a Liberty Bowl record for receiving yards. We did whatever we wanted to do in that ball game, but it became a launching point towards the 2014 year. I think we could see a similar situation here. Will Rogers against a Texas Tech defense is pretty leaky. You go out there, let's say you could put up some huge numbers. Not just Will Rogers, but the Bulldog offense. Let's say you win impressively. Well, that's the last the last memory that people have of Mississippi State. And you say, oh, well, they finished 8-5 and five last year. 
They played pretty well down the stretch, and then they they destroyed Texas Tech in the bowl game. Kind of sets you up next year. Preseason top 25, maybe. We got everybody coming back. That's the thing people you know, fail to realize. Expecting Martin Emerson and Charles Cross to go pro. But outside of that, we got everybody else coming back. And it's, of course, it's difficult to replace a true cover corner and a NFL left tackle prospect for sure. But winning this bowl game is very important. It's not just, okay, we wanted to make a bowl game. And again, I go back to our projections beginning of the year. Steve, what kind of years are going to be? Well, I think seven and five is the over-under with the eight, with the ceiling being eight and four, the floor being six and six, and we're probably a solid bowl team that ends up somewhere in Tennessee. Well, that's exactly what happened. It didn't happen the way we expected, but that's what happened. So now let's go win the bowl game, and then all of a sudden you set yourself up next year possibly playing in the Florida Citrus at perhaps a New Year's Six bowl game next year. I don't think there's any question. This is a team certainly capable of doing that. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl, the former Belk Bowl, that's South Carolina versus North Carolina. That, that's a pretty sexy matchup, to be quite honest with you. Both of those teams, you know, South Carolina uh, probably overachieved, UNC underachieved. You know, there were some people after a couple weeks in the season thought North Carolina might challenge for the playoff. And then what do you know, they get beat early on and all that's over with. But this, this will be a ticket bonanza for the folks in Charlotte. North Carolina and South Carolina don't play very often, which is kind of a shame, really. I mean, it really is. You would think teams that close together, you could sell some tickets. You know, it's difficult, too, sometimes with all of the, uh, you know, scheduling restrictions these days. you got to play a Power Five as a non-conference. And so how many of those do you, you get together? Well, North Carolina and South Carolina are probably not going to play every year. It's not going to, you know, already, Clemson's already got to play South Carolina. South Carolina's not going to pick up another ACC team. The last time these two teams played was back in 2019, also in Charlotte. Back in 15, also in Charlotte. You know, so they have had a chance to meet a couple times here as of late. North Carolina, of course, wins back in 19, uh, 24 to 20. The Tar Heels have pretty much dominated the series over the years, 35-19-4. But South Carolina, you know, down the stretch, you know, they've won three of the last four uh, within the series, and I believe about seven of the last nine. So it'll be interesting. And you know Shane Beamer and those guys probably feel like they're playing with house money. They'll come out loose and ready to go. And they've had a ton of quarterback trouble this year, probably have somebody healthy, you would think, then. Uh, Let's see here, the Music City Bowl. Tennessee versus Purdue, you know, to me it's kind of a boring matchup, but again, probably a a bit of a ticket bonanza for the folks in Nashville. Nashville is a great southern city. If you haven't been to Nashville recently, you're missing out. A lot to do there. Great city. It is my favorite SEC city. Tennessee will bring a lot of people to this ballgame. They absolutely will. It may be their last ballgame for a couple years. And it's crazy how quiet that's all been. You know, Jeremy Pruitt leaves, and there's all this talk about there were staffers involved uh, with the recruiting violations. And, of course, those are allegations at this point. They're not facts of finding. But um, we'll see. But they'll turn out. They'll go to this ball game. It'll be a sea of orange. There'll be a few Boilermaker fans there. But, uh, you know, Tennessee in the Music City Bowl makes a lot of good sense considering a you know, seven and five type team and you know, people wonder, well, Steve, do we have a chance to get in there? Well, let's be honest. If you're the music city bowl and you're ranking your top three teams, you're going to have Tennessee number one. 
it's a home state bowl game. People can come. And Tennessee's got a bigger fan base, and you got Tennessee and Mississippi State with the same record. It makes perfect sense to me. Uh, the Gator Bowl, the Tag Slayer Gator. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, A&M versus Wake Forest, I, you know, I don't think that matchup is going to get enough notoriety. I think that is going to be a really good game. You know, Wake up and down a little bit this year, mostly up. Lost some ball games they probably shouldn't. But you look at the A&M thing, and we're going to talk about this on Wednesday's show as we kind of you know, re- review the SEC season and kind of look who, who achieved and who underachieved and who overachieved. A&M finishes fifth in the West in the year they beat Alabama. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, you finally get over the hump, and you finally beat Nick Saban in Alabama, and you finish fifth in the SEC West. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And you get swept by the Mississippi schools the same year you beat Alabama. And this is a team, too. You'd say, well, you know, they, they had to put Zap Calzada in there. They did lose their starting quarterback against Colorado. But you've got an NFL back in C.J. Spillers, and you've got a lot of offensive skill, and you had a, you know, an offensive line that took some time to get settled. But you, know, you had one of the better defenses in the conference, and you turn in an 8-4 and four year. So I don't know how many people are going to be motivated to go to the Gator Bowl if you're A&M. Of course, you know, it, there's, they've got a, a huge fan base. So we'll see. It's a Florida Bowl game. But I think this matchup could be rather interesting. Arkansas versus Penn State in the Outback Bowl, I think this might be the best matchup of the group of six bowls. Arkansas versus Penn State in the Outback Bowl, I love it. I think it's going to be a very physical game. Probably, you know, kind of a Big Ten type game. The thing may be over with in about an hour and a half. You know, Penn State wants to line it up and run it. Arkansas lines up and runs it. And they'll be healthy, too. That's the one thing about the bowl season. There is going to be a little bit of rust, I guess, for everybody involved because it's been a while since you played a ball game. But Arkansas will be healthy, or should be, against Penn State. I really like the matchup. I think this will be a very entertaining game. And that's one good thing about us playing December 28th, right, is we get to sit at home. (laughs) 
on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and watch a ton of great football. And I'm excited about watching this ball. I like Sam Pittman. It's hard. How do you not like Sam Pittman? It's a great story. And he's a great guy. You know, and just covering him, you know, in the, in the pregame and stuff and the uh, lead the games, the preseason, goodness, the pregame press conferences leading up to the Arkansas-Mississippi State game, you know, he's, I don't say that he spoke, you know, really glowingly about Mississippi State, but I thought he was very honest and genuine. And then even in the postgame when they beat us, he goes, hey, we, we treated it like our Super Bowl. I can't knock it, man. They knew how important it was to get bowl eligible, and they ended up having a really good year. Now, I think this is a team, too, that's going to lose a lot. One of the more veteran teams in the conference. Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Kentucky, a lot of experience on those teams. They will lose a lot. A lot of COVID seniors came back. Will be awfully interesting, but I do like the matchup. I think you guys will too. The Texas Bowl. A lot of people expect us to go there. I told you guys again that was my preference. That's January fourth, eight p.m. Central. LSU versus Kansas State. I'll be honest with you. I think this is a bit of a snoozer, but by this point, we'll be happy to have watched it. Right? We'll be happy to have some college football to watch. That's a Tuesday night. LSU versus Kansas State will be an awful lot of fun. But I just – I think it's kind of a boring matchup. And some people would say, well, Steve, you know, we really should have been in Texas Bowl. You know, I hear you. I do. But I don't know that we would have sold 2,500 tickets. LSU will sell a ton. LSU's got a ton of Tigers out there in Houston. And, you know, they'll see it as a chance to skip work, man. It's like, oh, well, I got to go to the ball game. Okay, well, here's your, here's your excuse. They'll be gone Tuesday or Wednesday and come back and have a short work week and be right back to partying, man. So Texas Bowl, LSU versus Kansas State, I, I don't think it's a good matchup. I think LSU athletically is far superior. And I think these guys, too, are just kind of playing for each other. And it's like Ed Orgeron is gone. You win the last ball game at home. You send Ed out a winner. And then you've got a chance to cap your season with a winning record. Would be awfully interesting if LSU lost this ball game. You know, we'll see what happens. A lot of discussion about Joe Brady possibly coming back to Baton Rouge as an offensive coordinator. The final three bowl games, and if you guys, again, if you're fans of this show, you're not surprised the Armed Forces Bowl was a one-year agreement for the SEC to make sure we get all of our teams in a bowl game. But it's somewhat regional, so we don't have somebody going out to Palo Alto or something to play in the uh, playpen bowl or something like that. But, you know, we had a good experience out there last year. I mean, I, I don't know how many of you made the trip, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth's a great area, obviously. But the Armed Forces Bowl, outside of the weather, I thought it was pretty cool. So you get Missouri versus Army. That's, that's a tough matchup. I mean, it really is. Because Army will cut block you to death and just run it down your throat. But, uh, you know, Mizzou gets in. Eli Drinkwitz and those guys, you remember last year, Everybody in the SEC got a bowl bed. Missouri had to back out of there due to COVID. So the first one of the Eli Drinkwitz era there in Como. Be interesting. I, you know, just on first blush, I like Army in the game because that Missouri defense is so leaky. Uh, the Gasparilla Bowl, Florida versus Central Florida. Should be fun. They ought to sell a bunch of tickets, right? It's right there in Tampa. Tampa's a great city. You get, we, we've been down there a couple times here in recent years. You know, we went down to St. Pete back in uh, 2016 and, of course, back to Tampa in 18. It was, it's a good time. It was a little warm down there, too. But the Gasparilla Bowl now no longer the St. Pete Bowl, no longer 
at Tropicana Fieldhouse. I believe it's at Raymond James Stadium these days. But Florida versus UCF, that'll be interesting. You know, if you remember Florida and UCF, there was a lot of dispute about playing head-to-head and about who didn't want to play and who did, and there was some uh, athletic director saber-rattling that went on with that. So this will be interesting. I suspect UCF will probably be up to play in this bowl game. So that's the Gasparilla Bowl. And then the Birmingham Bowl, Auburn versus Houston. It makes a lot of sense. Auburn will probably feel like a home game. They'll turn out and go. They still like Brent Harson. It's been a disappointing end of the year. You lose four straight, but you played Alabama so tough, I think a lot of people feel like, you know what, hey, maybe we're okay. Maybe we're okay. Of course, they've made some coaching changes and things along those lines, but um, you know, the reality of it is, is this is a tough matchup for Auburn. I mean, it really is. You can say, well, you know, Steve, athletically, it's probably going to favor Auburn. Well, that may be true. But, you know, winning and belief are difficult things to defeat. And that's the thing. You look, you know, Houston lost to Cincinnati, an undefeated playoff team in the conference championship game. That's how it went down. And, you know, they're going to see this. They're not, I don't think they're going to pout. I mean, Houston wasn't going to be in the playoff. Sure, they would have loved to have won the conference title game, but they weren't going to be in the playoff. They're, so they're, they finished the year 11-2. and two. And I'm going to just kind of give you an idea. So Houston loses to Texas Tech in Houston to open the year. Then they, they blow out Rice and Grambling, as they should. They beat Navy, blow out Tulsa, blow out Tulane. They eke by ECU in overtime. They beat SMU, who was ranked 19th in the country at the time. Uh, they beat South Florida. They blow out Temple. They beat Memphis. They blow out UConn. And then they lose to Cincinnati. So they hadn't really played a lot of teams that you look at. Even the, even the teams they played out of conference, you know, nobody really kind of moves the radar. But this is one of those program-defining type games. This is a helmet-sticker type win for Houston if they can go find a way to beat Auburn. And, of course, Auburn's going to be playing with a backup quarterback. T.J. Finley will still be the guy. But that's the thing is he'll get all the first-team reps here over these 15 bowl practices, and we'll see how it breaks loose. But uh, – I think that could be a sneaky good game. That'll be December 28th. That's the 11 a.m. kick. That's the same day as our game. So if you're already in Memphis, maybe sit around and watch that one and tailgate a little bit. So, uh, again, so that's your SEC bowl tie-ins, 13 bowl games. I think that all every SEC team is favored. If uh, memory serves me correct, I look at some lines earlier. It looks like that every SEC team is favored in the bowl game. I don't think it's going to be the dominant bowl season that a lot of people expect, though. And we'll do some some deep dives into these matchups a little bit later in the bowl season. But I could see this thing breaking down to being about 500, to be honest with you. Is Mississippi State capable of beating Texas Tech? Yeah, we are. We should win that game. I think the line's eight and a half. And it's they're always the self-loathing Mississippi State fan. It's like, well, we play better as the underdogs. There's no evidence to support any of that. The reality of it is, is more times than not, we are the underdogs. But, you know, whatever. But, you know, I could see Kansas State beating LSU. I could be Central, see Central Florida beating Florida. I expect Army to beat Missouri. Houston could beat Auburn. You certainly – Mac Brown wouldn't get his guys up to play in Charlotte. You know, that, that's, a good, that's a good game. So – that's the bold picture, and again, we'll break it down as we get going. And a, a reminder, too, as we get back to the, we talked about geography. 
when you get into the group of six in the lower bowls, when you get out of the Florida bowl games, right? We got the playoff matchup set. We got the Citrus Bowl set. We get the Florida games settled. And then the lower bowls, which is we're one of them, the lower bowls all follow the geographic chalk, right? Bulldogs head to Memphis. South Carolina heads to Charlotte. Tennessee heads to Nashville. Uh, LSU heads to Houston. Missouri heads to Fort Worth. Then they're just kind of the last team standing. Florida heads to Tampa, and Auburn heads to Birmingham. It all makes perfect sense in hindsight. And we talked about that possibility uh, when the 13 teams get bowl eligible. Would geography play a factor with all the COVID stuff around the country? And it's not the factor that it once was, but um, people are still relatively COVID cautious and all that stuff. And so, hey, we're going to stay in our home state and we're going to be closer to home. And at the end of the day, you and I both know it's about selling tickets. These bowl games work all year long for one day. That's what they do. They work for the bowl game for one day. Generate TV revenue and to sell tickets. Well, what's going to, uh, to help sell tickets is make it an easier trip for the fans of the Southeastern Conference teams. This is an SEC bowl tie-in. And so, hey, we want to make it easy for our fans to get to the games. Make perfect sense. And you see, at the end of the day, it's an exhibition game. And one of the final thoughts about the bowls before we move on to today's top ten list. Every year we have this talk, well, there's too many bowls. There are not too many bowls. There are not too many bowls. This is my personal opinion. You can say, well, you know, Steve, we should only be 10 or 20. You know, so if you don't know Mississippi State's bowl history, then shame on you. But there were many years that Mississippi State would have been a good bowl team. But because of the fact there was this misconception that we didn't travel well or we wouldn't travel, we were all just a bunch of farmers that drove tractors and combines and couldn't get out of town. We didn't get the backing of the state legislature like Ole Miss did. You know, back in the, and that's not to take anything away from Ole Miss, but Ole Miss was a better bowl team because Ole Miss could guarantee ticket sales. They could. We didn't get the same backing because just about everybody in the Mississippi state legislature back in the, uh, you know, in the 50s and 60s were Ole Miss educated folks. And so they would make sure tickets got sold. They would guarantee the tickets would be sold, that they would sell their allotment. So they got to go. We didn't get that courtesy. And so we didn't always get to go to ball games. And so now we get to go, and sometimes it's not the ball game that we want to be. But you know what? We've been 12 straight years. And then somebody shared the 2013 highlights of Liberty Bowl on Gene's page. And so I went and watched them. You know, it was kind of Dax coming out party in many respects. It was kind of like that that teaser for the, what could come next. And it was like, for the first time in school history, Mississippi State makes four straight bowl games. They set a new record for four straight bowl games. Well, now eight years later, this is our 12th consecutive bowl game. And then there's always that guy. Well, you know, last year, last year we had Lila's record. Well, you yeah, okay. And, and we still went to the bowl game and we won it. How about that? How about them apples? We won it. Wasn't a great year last year for us. It was a better year this year. Next year, I think, is going to be even better. But I love college football. I know you guys do, too. And because of the fact that we stay so focused on our own team and our own conference, we don't always get to watch a lot of teams, right? So bowl season gives us a chance to watch a ton of football. Man, if I would line up and watch all these games. I mean, we used to have the Popeyes-Bahamas Bowl. I watched all that stuff. 
And there's one stretch, there you go, where you get a bowl game pretty much every single night. We get college football every night. What is, what is, why are we so against fun? I love fun. I love football. College football is fun. And you can say, well, you know, why are we rewarding mediocrity? Guys, it's a sport. It's a sport. It's entertainment. I like to be entertained. I like to be able to come home during December. Maybe we have a media opportunity with Mike Leach, and I come home and type up my story and then sit down and, you know, watch a couple teams that I hadn't watched all year line up and play. It's a great thing. There's not too many bowl games. I'm not saying we need to add more, but there's enough bowl games. I like college football, and I always get a little bit sad this time of year because I know it's ending. Now, it's a great – I can't even begin to imagine these teams that don't enjoy college baseball. I mean, honestly. You know, Feb, uh, Valentine's Day weekend, we're going to be getting ready to defend a national championship for the first time in school history. And so I'm excited about that. But I get a little sad when college football is over because, you know, it ends in, in January, and then, you know, we don't, we don't really have any meaningful football again that we get into spring practice. And then, again, that's all a precursor to the season. So, no. There are not too many ball games. And here's what I would suggest. If you think there are too many ball games, then guess what? Don't watch them because I'm going to. Today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's Close, C-L-O-S-E, CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is in the mortgage industry. A lot of people don't know the ins and outs of that process. It can be quite intimidating. So go with the winner. Go with Blair Chandler. Blair is a Bulldog, a guy that has a place here, season ticket holder, multiple sports. We believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever we can. Blair certainly is. 21 years of experience in the mortgage lending profession. Top 1% close ratio nationally. Not just in Pisgah, not in Bug Tussle, not in Dumas, everywhere. Everywhere. Blair can get you long close. You know what? If he can't, he can get you on a plan to ensure that you get yourself into a situation where you can have the dream of home ownership come true for yourself. Interest rates are low. Now is a good time to refi. Maybe perhaps you got a little overextended during the quarantine, ran up some credit card debt with all that online shopping, right? Maybe consolidate that debt and have your equity working for you because you know that the interest on your mortgage is tax deductible. The interest on your credit card is not. Let Blair put some solutions together for you today. Visit him at CloseWithBlair.com. He can walk you through the process. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to give you a little insight here. If you reach out to Blair and you mention to him, hey, hey, listen, Steve talked about you on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a $500 to $600 value. Pretty simple, right? Just by being a listener to this show, we can help you get into a mortgage or a refi or a second mortgage or maybe even a home equity line of credit a little more affordably. That's what we do here because we're family. Give Blair a call or text today. I'm going to give you his personal cell number, not his office phone, his personal number. 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. Blair actually licensed in multiple states too, so you don't just have to be a home stater. Blair Chandler, closewithblair.com. Really excited about today's list. One of my favorite bands. And, I, and there so often I get one of you younger guys that say, you know, Steve, you know, you, you know, the 80s are over. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I don't need the calendar. I know. 
I can look in the mirror and see all these wrinkles and realize that the 80s are over. But I love modern rock, too. And uh, the band we're about to talk about, I, I kind of teased this on the show Friday. You know, we did our, our top 10 list of you know, bands with numbers in their name. We talked about 10 years. 10 years out of Knoxville, Tennessee. I have seen them probably half a dozen times or so. I have met these guys. I have followed their journey since the very beginning. I love 10 years. Jesse, one of the best vocalists in the game today. It's true. One of the best songwriters. I don't think they get enough credit. You know, everybody loves what they love and think, oh, you know, you're, you're wrong if you don't know these guys. Let me tell you what. I am giving you a gift today of 10 years. And this was one of the more difficult lists I've had to ever put together. I told Ani this morning I could have done a top 20 and still probably not felt good about it. But I feel really good about this list. And I had to give you a handful of honorable mentions, too, because I got you know, some other you know, friends and family that love 10 years who would say, I can't believe you didn't mention this one. So honorable mentions, Riding on the Walls, 11 a.m., Daydreamer, Don't Fight It, Shoot It Out, Actions and Motives. Ani says that I, I took an L by not putting Shoot It Out and Dancing with the Dead in the top 10. Well, I didn't. So he can put his own list together. His list would be wrong. My list would be correct. So here we go. My 10 years list. Now, here's one of the cool things, too. I got every album represented with the exception of the first one, which was the EP. And I actually have the, uh, this is tattooed on my right wrist above my Highway 98 tattoo. It is the, uh, the 10 years bird from the initial album, Killing All That Holds You. It's a good album, too. Difficult to get, but a good album, too. Okay, so here you go. Every album in the catalog is represented on this list, which is kind of rare, but it kind of shows the depth of this band, that they don't really have any bad albums. Now, we'll start with a song from, uh, from an album called From Birth to Burial. And when this album concluded, Jesse said he considered disbanding the band. They'd had a lot of difficulty. Tater, the guy that was the lead guitar player, left the band, had some addiction issues, and really got into religion and kind of gave up on uh, touring as a musician for a long time. And then out of the blue, some, some original members came back, and they found their, their juice. And uh, so the From Birth to Burial album, to me, is a little disjointed. I thought it was very dark. I thought it, and sometimes it was kind of contrived. It, it, to me, it is not truly indicative of 10 years some high mo moments on the album but i think by and large it is probably the weakest of the albums i think they were kind of reborn after this album which is kind of ironic but the song i went with number 10 is miscellanea miscellanea it's about a woman it's about an older woman uh it's a pretty interesting track and jesse told me there was actually an alternate title for this but they did they think it was a little bit pg-13 so they didn't put it on the album because they thought the record company wouldn't agree. It'd be difficult to get it on the radio, too. Uh, number nine, going back to the album, Minus the Machines, which is kind of a stripped-down album. It's not truly unplugged, even though they have a couple of great unplugged albums out there uh, that are live and available on, uh, on iTunes. This is from Minus the Machine, and I, I really, really dig this album. It didn't sell as well as some of the other ones did because not everybody likes... 
you know, like the Jar of Flies album from Alice in Chains. It didn't sell as well as Facelift and Dirt, but for those of us that love Alice in Chains, we really dug it. This is kind of in that same vein. Minus the Machines is a little more, you know, stripped down. But the song is Backlash. Backlash. Great tune, very aggressive in many respects. I think that album is one of those albums when I'm traveling, sometimes I put on when it's a long trip and I just need to chill a little bit. Number eight, one of the better up-tempo songs in the catalog, actually off uh, the newest album, uh, Violent Allies. It was the first single off the album. I absolutely love it. Love it. I love the kind of the industrial bass line on this one. It's called The Shift. The Shift. It's a rocker now. I'm going to tell you now. It, and it, listen, this isn't Slayer that we're talking about either. Okay, this isn't, you know, they're not going to sit there and yell at you. Jesse can really sing. But this is a really, really aggressive song for them number seven i had a chance i'd i'd heard this song but i went to lafayette louisiana uh actually um on the outskirts i guess it was in scott louisiana but i went to a club out there and uh, saw an acoustic show with 10 years it was an incredible tour for them uh they were kind of dialing it back a little bit not bringing uh, you know the, the big amplifiers out there they just kind of sat around and played some of their better tracks acoustically and this was the highlight of the night, without question. And it's a song off of Division, which is one of my favorite albums from them. But it's the song So Long Goodbye. This is one of those gut-wrenching type songs. That I don't, if you have ever loved anybody in your life and you listen to this song, you will be reminded of them. Number six, this is another one. This, this is the, the lead track off to, from How to Live as Ghost. This was kind of the comeback for them in many respects. I thought this is when they really kind of got their groove back. And it's a song called Novocaine. Jesse's vocal is incredible. The harmonies on the chorus are incredible. This is another one that's kind of in your face. Number five, this goes back to, this is the title track. Um, so this is, we talked, this was on the show last week. It's Now Is The Time. And I misspoke. It was actually the lead single off the Feeding the Wolves album. Feeding the Wolves. Now is the time. And uh, it's got a sneaky bass line in the chorus. Like when you're riding down the road, you'll think maybe you hit something. No, you didn't. When they drop into the chorus, it's kind of like, almost like using an 808 or something. There's like this bass kick when they get into the chorus. I absolutely love it. Now is the time. is a very inspirational song. Uh, it's not necessarily about recovery, even though there is a lot of addiction and recovery type language in some of the 10 year songs. But this is basically about, you know what? Hey, this is it. This is where we're going to make our stand. We're going to make a change in life. We've had enough. Now is the time. Number four, this is one of the most beautiful songs that uh, the band has ever recorded. It is on the new album, Violent Allies. And um, when I first heard this, the very first time when the album dropped and I put it on, I couldn't wait. And I probably listened to this song 10 times and wrote to the point that I got emotional. It is an incredible song. It is a beautiful, beautiful song. And it builds. It's not just a ballad. It starts with a piano and Jesse's voice. And next thing you know, we're off on the ride, man. But it's a song called The Unknown. And it's one of those inspirational. I get chills talking about this song. Basically, it's like, I'm going to live my life wide open. And I'm going to embrace what is to come. I'm not going to be safe. I'm not just going to sit at home and uh, pay bills and just wait to die. I'm going to embrace the fact that there's so much beauty and glory in life. And, I, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run headlong into the unknown, whether it be the ending of a relationship or the ending of, of whatever, some professional type endeavor. 
I'm just going to embrace the rest of my life and make the rest of my life the best of my life. I absolutely love the song. It's one of those songs, too. If you don't listen to any song on this list, I, you know, you say, Steve, I don't really listen to top 10 lists. Okay, I get it. A bunch of you do. But if you don't listen to any other song, listen to this one. Number three, this is a, uh, a great tune. This is kind of a breakthrough song for them off of the Division album. You know, they had had a couple of hits off of the, the Autumn Effect, but Division is what really put them on the radio consistently. And this song is one of those. You know, basically, uh, Jesse ends up dating this girl. It's kind of a model or whatever. But um, it's called Beautiful. And, you know, the hook in this one is as beautiful as you are. It's so pitiful what you are. Uh, you go and listen to it. It's, uh, it's a great tune. And it's one of those things, too, that uh, many of us have probably experienced that. And it's like, you know, you, you, you have this person you, you pursue or whatever, and you think, man, if I could just have her or him... You know, everything would be great. And then it's like, be careful what you wish for. It's like you get them and you find out how hollow they are or whatever. And so it's, um, the song is beautiful, but it's really about the, some of the ugliness in life. Number two, the one that started it all for them, and there is a bit of a story about this. I've shared some of this with you guys on the show before. Uh, and I think we've actually had this song on, on the show on one of our top 10 lists. Roy would have to, to confirm that with me. But um, so Jesse, you know, being from Knoxville, Tennessee, his cousin was a young guy named Brad Renfro, who was a child actor that was very, very successful. And you say, well, Steve, who is Brad Renfro? Well, you remember watching The Client, the movie The Client with Susan Sarandon? Well, he was Jesse Sway. He was the, he was the client. He was the kid. And that, he made, that was 11 years of age, 11 years. And he gets that major role in a John Grisham film. It's a phenomenal movie. Well, Brad really struggled after that. He went on, but he was in you know, several movies and films and never really found the success I think a lot of people expected. And what's really a sad story is Brad basically went into a, uh, an audition just kind of on chance. He lived in a trailer park with his grandmother. A lot of addiction in his family. And uh, to make a long story short, he died. Heroin overdose at 25 years of age. And it ripped Jesse's heart out. And he wrote this song, Wasteland, which is your number two song. And uh, one of the key lines in it is a self-inflicted his perdition. Yeah, that's when Jesse was a little more cryptic with some of the lyrics he wrote and things like that. But Wasteland is a song about addiction. And uh, I think it's one of those things that um, the people look at and maybe don't fully appreciate the language in it. It is a phenomenal rock song, but it is also a tribute to Brad Renfro. But number one for me, without a doubt... And this is one of those songs, too, that uh, I listen to this song a lot. Even I put it on a couple days ago. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it gets played a lot on my, out of my phone, you know. But it's the song Fix Me. And it's like I have all these, I've got a lot of people around me that think they know my life. And it's like, oh, there's this and there's that. And there's, he's under so much pressure. And you know, I, I don't even feel that stuff. You know, to them, they do. They look at it and say, oh, you know, I, I had an old Miss guy a while back. And it's somebody that I actually consider a bit of a friend. 
I've got an old Miss guy that messages me every now and again. We talk some shop about, you know, coaching changes and things like that. And it's never really been an adversarial type relationship. I won't tell you who he is because I don't want to, I want to out him. I want to maintain the, uh, the dialogue. But he was like, you know, Steve, he said, uh, I'm sorry you've had so much pain in your life. Well, I don't know any other way to live. You know, I didn't ask for any of that stuff. You know, and say, well, you know, Steve, you had that, you know. Yeah, I made some bad decisions, but at the same time, too, there have been a lot of things that happened in my life that were very negative that I had no, I had no say in. You know, it's just life on life's terms. I didn't choose a lot of that stuff, but I don't let it define me. And so, in many ways, this song is kind of a theme song for me. You know, it's like, don't, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. Don't, don't try and fix me. I'm, I'm fine in the fire. I feed on the friction. I'm exactly where I want to be. And so that's the one for me. It's fixed me. And I listen, I agonized over this list because I, I knew for many of you, this is your introduction to 10 years. And I didn't want to screw it up. And I don't believe that I did. I think I absolutely nailed this one. Uh, and I think you guys will love this. Roy had never heard of this band. And he's like, dude, I really like them. You will too. If you like rock music at all, you're going to love this band. They're not too heavy. They're not too soft. They're a great band, great writing, great vocals. Uh, I just don't know if I could recommend these guys high enough. I just don't know that I could. So check them out today. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. We're going to do some more modern rock this week as we kind of run through this thing. Uh, excited about what is to come. And excited to go see 10 years again very soon. And, and right now, Jesse actually is uh, suffering with COVID. So uh, best of luck to Jesse and all the crew with 10 years as they uh, kind of recover uh, from all of that. All right, now it's time for the next segment of the show, brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Everybody up there will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. It's great to go to a place where everybody knows your name. That's pretty much the case at Campus Bookmart. Whether they know you or not, they'll treat you like they would. The latest and greatest in Mississippi State merch available at that great location right here in Stark Vegas. And if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to find them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Very simple, BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Let me encourage you, Mom. I know you're doing most of the shopping. You got 19 days left till Christmas. Only 18 of them are shopping days. And a lot of that is going to creep up on you before you know it. Save yourself some time and effort. Shop online today at campusbookmart.net. You'll be glad you did. By using that promo code BSR, we'll save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And you order less than $50, absolutely in complete and while you're asking they've got full stock of all four of the books that have been released so if you're looking to add some books you can do that too right there at campusbookmart.net all right let's take a look at the recruiting weekend it was a rather interesting weekend in many respects paul jones and i have spoken to just about all of the visitors a couple more we'll track down today i'll speak to trent ramsey offensive line prospect out of tampa florida this afternoon pretty excited about that Pretty interesting story with him. It's a very long, athletic offensive line prospect. And uh, a couple of guys out there, obviously, that we're, uh, we're still tracking. Now, one of the first things that happens, you know, the recruiting has changed a good bit, you know, with this early signing period. And people are like, oh, we had to visit. Nobody committed. Well, here's the deal with that. There's just so much of that. This close to signing day, guys will commit privately and then announce publicly on signing day. 
that's just kind of how it all works. And so I think it's important to understand that that's not necessarily a negative thing. You know, you just don't have the big recruiting weekend that leads to a ton of commitments like we used to have. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. And so there were some guys that we expected to come in, have a good time, and then announce closer to signing day. Mike Leach will be on the road this week doing in-home visits. As you guys are aware, he was not part of the Liberty Bowl presser because he was conducting some in-home visits. And so just be patient with all that. We, we still feel good about where things stand, but uh, let's recap, you know, some of these visitors. You know, we kind of previewed the weekend here a couple days ago, kind of looked, hey, this is kind of where we are and what we expect to happen, who's going to be here, who's not. We did have one big surprise, of course, with Jaheim Otis not making it to town. He had set this visit with Mississippi State several weeks ago. So it is a very unpleasant development and a big surprise, to be honest with you. And so, you know, you give Ole Miss a little tip of the cap there as much as you don't like it. You know, I admire their ability to get things done. And it was a huge, huge surprise. Got a phone call yesterday morning that he wasn't coming, that he may not go anywhere. And then ultimately we find out that he was allegedly headed to Oxford. I haven't confirmed that. That'll be up to the Ole Miss media confirmed that he actually made it to campus. Uh, talked to a few people uh, yesterday evening just to kind of get the lay of the land. And one of the things that I'll, I'll remind you guys of, there are a lot of people that like, I guess we have this revisionist history when it comes to, uh, you know, to recruiting. It's like sometimes we forget, you know, the last two weeks of recruiting, very, very difficult, very difficult. And it takes a big toll on the fan base because just when you think you've got it all figured out, things change kind of how it happens and that's what happened yesterday it's all a chess match this is big boy recruiting you know we, we always talk about well we have to upgrade our talent level and then we get upset when things are kind of up and down chasing the next level of talent you don't get the big fish in the boat easily that's just how it works you got to get out there and work hard and there's always going to be ups and downs. I remember a few years back, some of you may have forgotten this, you know, Chris Jones snuck off and took another unofficial visit to Ole Miss. And, there, and all of a sudden there was all this Ole Miss confidence. So Chris Jones initially lied to me and said he didn't go up there. Well, then later on, people were like having these pictures online and stuff, and there's Chris. And, and so I called him back. I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, you can go to school wherever you want, but at least be honest with me, you know. And um, so Chris told me then, he goes, hey, let me just tell you this. I'm just trying to survive all this. I'm doing the best I can. And so if you don't hear it from me, then don't believe anything that's reported. And so Chris kind of played both sides against the middle and ultimately signed with Mississippi State, as you guys are aware, and put together a great career. And he's having a great career in, um, in Kansas City. But that's part of the deal, right? You guys may not remember this either. Caleb Yules was committed to Mississippi State for a long time and was on the road to Alabama for an official visit. And David Turner, who was actually leaving Mississippi State, I believe to go to Kentucky, if memory serves me correct, one of the last things he does, he gets on the phone and he calls Caleb Yules and says, hey, Caleb, you don't need to go over there. Mississippi State is home for you. And what happened is Caleb Yules and the family turned around and came home. That's how it happens. You got good guys like uh, Dave Turner 
that understand recruiting, but also too care about what happens with these young people. It doesn't always work out that way. You always have some people out there that, uh, you know, some people out there that, you know, once uh, they, they've moved on, they don't really care. They don't really care about the kids. And that's not the case with Dave Turner. But there's always some trepidation and anxiety late. If you remember, you know, Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Week is this week. And if you remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, we had the coaching changes and everybody was all, you know, worried about what's going to happen. And um, so Ole Miss people are saying that Emmanuel Forbes is going to flip to them, that he was going to leave Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, the game, and then go up there and spend a day and a half with the Ole Miss folks and then ultimately flip to them on signing day. didn't happen. They were also trying to get Armandus Cooley to take a visit. Now, he hadn't done much here at Mississippi State, but I, I just say these things because things aren't always as they appear or they're reported to be. And there are a lot of people out here at this time of year that are kind of dishonest and disingenuous in what they say. And that's, and that's just people in the media. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, my point is that a lot of these people never expected to be in this position having to make as difficult a decision. I remember when Robert Elliott out of Oklahoma High School, I remember speaking to his mom on signing day went to the press conference and she said you know we thought it would be okay all these schools offer us and then Robert picks his school and that's the end of it well little did she know you know that there were so many people involved in this process it would make things awfully interesting she had two people we have uh, identified them long ago that showed up at Bridget Elliott's house claimed to be reporters from the Tupelo Daily Journal and guys we hadn't done that the uh, the cold call knock thing at somebody's house in recruiting journalism in my career. You've never just showed up at somebody's house and knocked on the door getting an interview. Everybody has phones. Everybody has cell phones. Of course, this was during the dead period. It turned out these were a couple of Ole Miss donors trying to find out where Robert was. Robert, of course, was staying with his mother in Houston, Mississippi, kind of out of harm's way because he had planned to sign with Mississippi State. And apparently that was too much for people to take. So there is always some drama late. I've shared with you guys on this show for the better part of you know, three or four weeks, we're not going to get everybody we want. There are going to be some surprises. That's the way it's always been. State and Ole Miss share a state. We're going to get some. They're going to get some. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. There's always somebody out there conspiring and conniving against you. This is how life works. That's recruiting. I've, I have had so many coaches that come here and say, well, you know, I know about hard recruiting. And then they leave here and I say, you know what, I've never seen anything like this, ever. And some of your coaches are kind of beginning to say, you know what, I've never seen anything quite like this. There is just an intensity with Mississippi recruiting that is really unlike anything else in the Southeast. I have some friends that cover the Pac-12, and they say, man, you know, I would love to have this much interest in our work as you guys do at State and Ole Miss because everybody's just hanging on every report. Like you just wait for one site to interview a guy or to share some kind of recruiting nugget or something. And then it's like everybody's like, oh, well, this looks like this is going to happen. Oh, my gosh, it looks like Ole Miss is leading for Stone Blunt. Now it's Mississippi State. You know, uh, as some people who love me have said that recruiting in many respects is like a soap opera. It's a soap opera for college football fans. You just never know from one day to the next. I, I shared some text messages with Chris Brooks this morning uh, trying to run down a picture for an article I'm writing this afternoon. And I said, hey, man, welcome to the final 10 days. You never have back-to-back good days 
covering recruiting the final two weeks of the process. I don't care if you're covering Alabama or LSU or Florida or Ohio State, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Pearl River Community College. You never have back-to-back good days. And that's one of the reasons that we all love it is because you never truly know what's going to happen. It's one of those things, too. It's just like a Jaheim Otis thing. Guys from my hometown. You know, most of you guys didn't even know State was still in the mix with that kid other than the fact that some people in his family have shared that information with me. And so I have been hesitant to say that I think Mississippi State is going to get him. I do think last week Mississippi State was probably in the best position they have been with him, and then out of the blue he goes to Ole Miss. It's crazy. It is. And it makes you second-guess things. Like you begin to think, okay, but how did I miss this? What, what can I learn from this? And the truth of the matter is, is no matter how an- analytical you are about it, a lot of things just don't make sense. There's always sometimes, too, that are people like that they tell you what they think is going to happen or what they hope is going to happen, and you got to navigate through that. That's the danger of speaking to one person. And so there are a lot of people involved in this situation with Jaheim Otis. You've got a lot of people that are advising him, say, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. And you know what? He may end up going to Alabama. You know, he may show up in Mississippi State this weekend. You know, he might end up signing with Ole Miss, which I'll be honest with you, I, it seemed completely out of the realm of possibility a month ago. I know that Ole Miss has worked hard to get into the mix with him because they have not been in a good position with him. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he cancels a visit here and goes there. So it would be you know, absolutely irresponsible to say, you know what, they're not in the mix because certainly they have kind of come from left field and are now in the mix. And over the course of the last week to 10 days, you know, some of the Ole Miss folks have said, hey, we feel like we've made some progress here. And clearly they have. So we'll see how things break loose. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, 10 days before national signing day here a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought Jeffrey Simmons is going to Ole Miss. I would say the majority of Mississippi State and Ole Miss people thought they were going to Ole Miss. But let me tell you what's interesting about that story. Is so the Sunday after his visit to Ole Miss, and if I remember correctly, they had the last visit. Jeff calls me. You know, I used to recap. I would recap Jeff's visits or whatever, you know, and, and uh, probably interviewed Jeff, I don't know, maybe a dozen times over two years. So Jeff calls me that Sunday and says, hey, do you want to do a story about my visit to Ole Miss? I said, well, Jeff, usually we allow the, you know, the media for that site to do the visit recap. So it was, it's kind of a professional courtesy. I mean, like it would irritate me to no end. Like if, uh, you know, you know, an Ole Miss writer called an Ole Miss commitment that was actually visiting Mississippi State before we had a chance to talk to him because they want to set the edge on a narrative. But Jeff calls me and I say, hey, Jeff, let's do a story maybe in the next day or two, kind of previewing your decision, and let's let those guys from uh, the Ole Miss spirit catch up with you and, and do the interview. And so he continues to talk, and he goes, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not going to Ole Miss. It's going to be between Alabama and Mississippi State, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He said, I'll make sure you know. And so we just kind of let it lay out there. And then the day before his decision, before signing day, I get a phone call that says, hey, Jeff would like for you to come to the press conference. And I says, well, listen, I'm not going to go to a press conference unless I know for sure who he's committing to. I won't say anything, but I need to know. So he's going to Mississippi State. And I still didn't trust it. I even got in the car and I was on my way to make it. And I was like, man, if I go over here and this this guy commits to – commits to Ole Miss, you know, with all their media there, that's going to be awfully embarrassing. I don't want to waste my time. And so then I called the guy back, and he's like, hey, listen, he's going, to, he's going to sign with Mississippi State, but if you feel better just waiting and talking to him after the press conference, that's fine too. 
And so ultimately, he did sign with Mississippi State, as you guys are well aware, and put together an All-American career. So I just say that because a lot of people look, all right, now there's all this gnashing of teeth and hand-wringing about Jai Otis. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, I expect him to go to Mississippi State, but I'm just using that to kind of put some context here that things change rapidly later in the process. There were a lot of people that showed up at Jeff Simmons' press conference wearing red and blue that had to take that ride up 45, take that drive of shame after they watched him commit to Mississippi State. So hang on. It's going to be an interesting ride, uh, to say the least. And so I just share that with you just to make sure that everybody understands. This is not new territory. While it was an unexpected development with Jaheim Otis over the weekend, it is just kind of on brand for in-state recruiting in the state of Mississippi. So we'll see how things progress. Supposedly, he is going to meet with Mississippi State prior to leaving to go to Mississippi Alabama practices. He has to report at 1230 at Camp Shelby on Tuesday. So that visit will need to take place, obviously, sometime in the next 24 hours. But um, you know, this is the last contact period before signing day. Things go dead midnight Sunday. No off-campus recruiting after Saturday. Not for not legal recruiting anyway, right? There's some people that do their uh, their best recruiting during the dead period. You know, as we saw with T. Shepard. You know, this is a young guy that uh, had never officially visited at Ole Miss, and then out of the blue, next thing you know, he's going to Ole Miss. And so again, you know, we we have been uh, we have been through this whole thing before. You know, we've all experienced this before. There is always a surprise, and there is always a situation where. You know, Ole Miss is trying to ruin signing day from the Mississippi State fans. You know, it's very rare that we get through a signing day without a surprise. And I would say the last time we did was that last class with Joe. That's the Emmanuel Forbes class. You know, we we go through signing day and we have no negative feelings that day. Nobody flipped. Everybody that was expected to sign, signed. You know, those are the things that happened. But those are few and far between. Every signing day, whether it be in February or December, there is always some sense of disappointment, not necessarily with the class, but there's always something. There is always something that happens that is of the negative variety on the Mississippi State side. Just how it is. All right, let's take a look at uh, real quickly here. Let me give you a, uh, a quick overview of the official visit weekend. You know, we've got... Uh, these stories are behind the paywall at Mississippi State. And so you can go check those out, you know, if you are a Jeans Page subscriber. We have interviewed just about everybody. Uh, Paul Jones has uh, traded some messages with Marquez Dorch. That story should be up this afternoon or evening. That's a four-star commitment. At this point, we don't expect any drama with him. Uh, Khalid Moore interviewed him myself on Sunday. He is really, really excited said that ever since he committed to Mississippi State, he's never really entertained overtures from other schools. Said even if he had attended other games, he would have still been in love with Starkville and is excited about the defense and to be a Bulldog. Uh, that's a pretty big get. And I think that's the thing, too, sometimes when guys commit early, they kind of lose their hype a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, if this kid committed in December, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, what a great get. Well, that's the thing, you know, Khalid Moore actually committed to Mississippi State well before the dead period even opened up. March the 7th 
is when he committed to Mississippi State and has not wavered any since then. He has been true maroon. Interview Don Terry Russell, myself, defensive end prospect out of Provine High School. Of course, that's a younger brother of DeMonte Russell. Don Terry tells me that, you know what, hey, I'm good. I'm done. I'm just waiting to sign. There has been some talk behind the scenes that Ole Miss was going to try to get him in this weekend. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, but the reality of it is, even if he did take a visit up there, uh, he's locked in, of course, his brother, his official visit host over the weekend. And this is a guy, too, 6'4", 200, kind of a long and wiry guy, probably needs a year or two with Tyson Brown. Uh, but he will be a, a pass rushing specialist at Mississippi State. Trent Singleton, another guy that committed early that I don't think people properly uh, appreciate is a member of this class. Could be valedictorian in his class. And he is a guy, too, that can play multiple positions for you. We expect him to play safety at Mississippi State. There was some talk early on about him playing corner. I think it's safety all the way. I think once this guy gets in a college weight room, he's going to be a monster. Really like him a lot. He's a leader. Will be a very good addition to our program. And there should be an article up with him later today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, Janoris Hobson, I spoke to him myself, too. That's a slot receiver out of uh, Horn Lake High School. Younger brother, Jacorby Hobson, recently picked up an offer from Mississippi State. We'll just sign the whole family. So, uh, Janoris locked in, ready to go. No drama with him. Just kind of waiting to sign. Uh, Kamari Terrell, that was one of Paul's guys. Not exactly sure when he'll talk to him. Uh, if he'll talk to him, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress. Trevion Williams, not a guy that does a lot of media. Matter of fact, I think the two of the last three times that we've interviewed him have been in person. He's just not a guy that likes a lot of hype and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I talked to him at camp this year, and he's a real engaging guy, but he just doesn't like a lot of hype. Now, here's the deal with him. I think it's to, um, to kind of, again, guard the back door a little bit. Uh, this is a guy that's been trending to Mississippi State for a long time. Now, you know Ole Miss is not going to give up. And he will be a guy later this week that I am sure they're going to be pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to try to get him to visit them this weekend. Now, of course, Mississippi-Alabama game is in Hattiesburg on Saturday. Game would be over. So it would be an abbreviated visit, of course. But uh, I, at this point, I don't expect him to take that visit. But I do expect Ole Miss to continue to try to get him. They have tried – countless times to get him to take an official visit up there and have been unsuccessful. He has not set anything up. So, again, that's one that we'll watch. Still feel great about him, but I won't be the least bit surprised if you hear later in the week that Ole Miss is pushing for him to come in. Trent Ramsey and I have uh, traded some text messages today. He is the offensive line prospect out of Carrollwood Day School there in Tampa, Florida. Looking forward to speaking with him. So Trent's flight got messed up on Friday. And so there was talk about it being, you know, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday type deal. He and his family basically drive through the night rather than miss the festivities and and the opportunity for Trent to be around the rest of the guys and enjoy the Saturday in Starkville. They drove and drove and drove and got here in the wee hours of the morning on Saturday morning. And then Trent was able to go through the full visit. Of course, they missed the Friday night dinner, but goes through the full day Saturday, Saturday night, and then Sunday with the rest of the players. The thing that I say when I hear that is who would do that if it's a casual affair? Who would make that kind of effort if they weren't really serious about Mississippi State? So eager to see what he has to say. You can find that article later today over at jeanspage.com. Jackson LaHue, if you have seen the pictures of he and his father, they look like a pair of Big Ten offensive linemen together. I mean, like his dad could probably still play, you know. Uh, Jackson's out of Azle, Texas. 
Uh, Paul will hopefully have a story on him today. What we're watching with him is Texas has talked about potentially bringing him in for an official visit this weekend. Now, they have not offered him yet. And, of course, if they do offer and bring him in, that would be something that would be a difficult hurdle for Mississippi State to leap. He is currently committed to Virginia Tech. That will not stick. He will either be a Bulldog or potentially a Longhorn. Uh, at this point, is planning to sign in December. But I understand he had a good visit, and we'll see how things progress with him. And, again, you can look for that article hopefully today or tomorrow. But uh, a very, very, very impressive-looking offensive line prospect. Amari and Walker currently committed to Notre Dame. You begin to wonder, now that Brian Kelly is at LSU, do they take him? You know, 6'4", 175, a guy that can really play, uh, but has not done a lot of recruiting stuff. You know, LSU kind of went over, overlooked him. He's a three-star guy. Of course, if LSU had been on him, he'd been a four-star. It's just kind of how it works. But um, now that Brian Kelly is there, it would make sense that there could potentially be a flip of a Louisiana kid from Notre Dame to LSU. Kamari Rogers, uh, Paul Jones had a story up with him last night. Kamari, of course, the former number one player in the state of Mississippi, currently ranked third in the state. Uh, his size is a bit of an issue. And then, of course, uh, you know, you've got the ACL tear. and But he's a guy, too, expected to make a full recovery. Committed to Miami, and it is an absolute mess down there. I think everybody sees it that way. It's a complete mess. Manny Diaz mercifully let go today. If you ever want to see a way not to handle a situation, just take a case look at, at Miami. It is absolutely a test case and absolute ineptitude. This has been rumored since November that Manny was out. I was told prior to the, the finale season, regular season finale that Manny was out, win or lose. But they would not make an announcement until they had somebody lined up. It's pretty clear that it's Mario Cristobal. And I've said on this show and on Gene's page many times, contrary to the belief of some old Miss people, that Mario, it is Mario Cristobal's job to turn down. Mario Cristobal, of course, spurns Oregon and their $10 million a year extension. It's, a, it's incredible the money we're talking about these days. It is absolutely incredible. He turns down Phil Knight and Nike and Oregon's $10 million per year extension. Now, we talk about connecting the dots. People say, man, why would Joe Moorhead take the head coaching job at Akron? Well, I hadn't spoken to Joe. I've reached out to Joe and offered my well wishes, and I do wish Joe the best. I think in the end, Joe knew this was coming and didn't want to go to Miami. That's a long way from home. He's already forever and a day away from his family there in Pittsburgh, all the way across the country there in Oregon. And so it's like, hey, we're not getting closer we're kind of maintaining the same distance, even though it's a little bit warmer. And I don't know that he would want to raise his family in Miami. And so, lo and behold, he takes a job at Akron. So he's kind of back to his roots. I think that was kind of a harbinger of things to come. I think when you saw Joe take that job, I think that pretty much kind of solidified our thinking that Mario Cristobal is headed to Miami. That hadn't been announced yet, but I think the writing is clearly on the wall there. So what does that mean for Kamari Rogers? Now, what I'm told privately is Kamari really wants to come to Mississippi State. He really does. He spent a lot of time with Martin Emerson and the guys over the weekend and that this is very close to happening. The talk all along was if Manny was retained because he had a great relationship with Manny, that Miami would stay in it. Now, of course, that could be a one-year reprieve. Well, now it's been removed from consideration. And so now it really looks like it's trending more towards Mississippi State. You know, Ole Miss was involved with him late. 
He elected not to take a visit to Ole Miss. It has been basically Miami and Mississippi State the last 10 days. So unless there's a new suitor that jumps in late, and it's so difficult to build a relationship late, this will probably boil down to Mississippi State situation. I haven't quite pulled the trigger on Mississippi State for the crystal ball just yet, but I'm close. I'm close. It's a four-star prospect, ranked at 96, one of the highest-rated prospects in the state of Mississippi, former LSU commitment. So we'll see how things progress there, but I feel like Mississippi State is in a really good position with him you know, right now. A.J. Allen out of Neville High School, Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Paul has traded some messages with him. He did make it in on Friday. The, the discussion early on was it could be a Saturday, Sunday, Monday deal. Currently committed to TCU and was looking to visit Alabama next week. It appears that is off. Not really sure about where State stands with him. You know, of course, um, here's the situation that you have to kind of think about. Okay, we don't have to take a running back in this class. You know, we took Hargrove late last year, and he ended up, you know, being a guy we talked about blue shirting, but he went ahead and signed earlier and uh, counted for 2021. So we don't technically have a running back in this class that is a running back per se. And you say, well, Steve, you know, we've had this – Long-time commitment, of course, from uh, from Dakota, and uh, which is true. And I love Dakota Jordan. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he can play whatever he wants to play. But you run the risk of, if that's the only back in your class, what do you do if he ends up signing a pro contract for, for baseball this summer? I've had many people tell me he's not expected to go high, but he could go high enough to sign, which, of course, would preclude him from playing college baseball. He could still play football. But what if he decides, you know what, I'm not going to go to college at all? He may not do the A.J. Brown thing. You know, he might do the Court Sandberg thing, right? And so just forego college and then kind of come back later. And so you run the risk there of thinking, okay, if we need a back, we probably need to go get a back. So does that mean that we maybe don't sign Dakota Jordan in December? I think there's a good chance of that happening. I think you wait. I think you wait and save up scholarship until you know for sure. So does that mean February? Does that mean the summer? I don't, I don't know. But I don't think that Dakota Jordan will sign in December. So I'm just telling you that now. So if he doesn't, I don't want anybody to panic and think, oh, my gosh, the world is falling apart here. No, that's good recruiting. You don't sign a guy unless you're certain he's going to report. Certainly not in December. And, of course, if he gives some assurances, hey, listen, here's the deal, I'm going to go to college, then maybe you make that decision in February. But, again, they don't know what the Major League Baseball draft's going to look like. He may have a great spring, and next thing you know, some people that were on the fence about him may say, hey, we need to give this kid some money. So that's something to really kind of watch as we kind of move forward. That's kind of where we stand today. So I'm going to bring you uh, kind of what I expect to happen here in the next segment of the show. The final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Going to do an extended recruiting update today. I've shared with you guys many times, I think Portico is absolutely the place to move if you're moving to Starkville. If you were considering buying like a ball game retreat home here, because there are a lot of you guys that what you do is uh, you track up and down the highway and you got these big trailers and everything else and you bring all these grills and you got the tents and all the chairs. You know, it'd be nice to have a place to put that stuff and not necessarily in a storage facility. If you had a home up here, maybe that's the way you do. And maybe you would say, hey, if we had a home up there, maybe we'd go to more baseball games. Maybe we'd buy season tickets for basketball if we could be there regularly and didn't have to pay for a hotel. Well, Portico is the way to do it. You can get your ball game retreat home there. You can get your primary residence there, perhaps an investment property. Maybe you just Airbnb it out 
uh, when uh, you're not using it. I love the place. It's right there off of uh, 12. You turn off of 82 on a 12, the very first right. And I've had so many people that said, hey, you know, we live, you know, our kids live near there. And uh, it's a really cool and nice place. I think you'd be happy there. You'd be happy to bring your family there and raise your family and make some great memories there. Uh, 601-416-8075. That's, that's the hit Brooks Brian up to get more information. 601-416-8075. You do that, and here's the deal. You find out what fits for you. You can get a two-bedroom up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house. Phase one completely sold out. We're in phase two now. And so you can have some say in your lot. You can have some say in the housing plans. That's a cool thing to be able to have some part in the decision-making process. That way you don't have to buy a house and like, well, we like everything but this. If I'd have had it over, I'd have done this. Well, you can have some say in that. Kind of get it the way you want it. That's a really cool thing. Check them out today. Make Portico your next move. Okay, so since we were together, of course, uh, Cam East has uh, left the class and so let me give you a little background on that, too. So here's the deal. You know, he has kind of said openly that he wanted to, uh, to sign in February at the signing day ceremony with his friends. Privately, there had been some discussion, of course, well, we're going to sign in December, and then we will hold the announcement. You remember we did that last year. You know, we had a guy that uh, was part of the NBC All-American broadcast. You remember that? Maybe you don't. You're like, oh, I don't know. And then Paul and Jones were like, hey, you don't need to worry about this kid. You don't need to worry about Dante because uh, he's good. We didn't want to just kind of put it out there. But the reality of it is, is that Deontay Anderson had signed with us in December, and then we held it until he made his formal announcement as part of the All-American game. Now, they didn't play the game last year, but they still had the broadcast. So that was kind of the plan, is Cam would go ahead and sign, and then we would just kind of hold it. And then some people around him were like, hey, well, if you sign, you can't take any visits, and Georgia Tech wants you to come in. That's 3-9 and nine, Georgia Tech, mind you. Um, and so ultimately the rubber met the road. It's like, Hey, you know, listen, we're two weeks away from signing day. And if we can't count on you, then we've got to go get somebody else. And so it's like, well, I want to wait and sign in February. Okay, cool. Well, here's the deal. We've got some other guys out there of comparable ability. And so we can't just sit back and hope for the best. Cause what happens? And we went through this with DJ James and some others with defensive backs. We went throw Buckley was here a couple of years ago. It's like, well, he didn't sign in December. And then all those guys, ultimately signed somewhere else in February. You recall that. Martin Emerson was the only guy that he was able to maintain. Greg Brooks, DJ James, Martin Emerson, those three were expected to be your your defensive back class that year. And then ultimately we lose Greg Brooks to Arkansas. DJ James goes to Oregon. And you get Martin Emerson. That would have been a very talented group. We had them all committed early. And uh, I wasn't a huge Greg Brooks fan. I know he's kind of been in and out of the starting lineup there at Arkansas. But – the reality of it is, is when they don't sign in December, you better worry. You know, of course, it worked out. We got Fabian Lovett and Nathan Pickering, of course, wanted to take his trips, but maintained his true maroon status. But, you know, those are really kind of the exceptions rather than the rule. And so, basically, I go back to the Sylvester Croon line of thinking, if you're looking, we're looking. You know, Mississippi State coaching staff are charged with getting the best 25 players annually to help us win a championship. That's what their job is. And so – if we had waited on East and then ultimately saw him sign with somebody else in February, the narrative would be, and it would be correct, we should have known better. There's no way we should have waited because then all of a sudden we end up having to take some developmental lineman out of the portal and it doesn't work out. And we're going to hit the portal for sure. But the reality of it is, is this Cam East situation, the sticking point was, well, 
he doesn't want to sign. And some would say, well, you'd be patient with him. You know, if he's Charles Cross, yes, you're patient with him. But he's not. He's a developmental lineman uh, out of New Orleans from a great program. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think in the end, this was the right call. Absolutely the right call. You push the issue, we let him call it a decommitment, and we move on with life. So Marquez Dortch is committed. I expect to keep him. Javet Gilmore, of course, Dante Russell, Khalid uh, Moore. Braden Locke, let me give you some intel about that too. One of the last things that Dave Nickel did before we left Mississippi State for USC is he called Braden Locke and told him he needed to play for, uh, for Mike Leach. How about that? How cool is that? said, hey, listen, I'm going to USC. I want to thank you for everything. You need to play for Mike Leach. Braden Locke is good. Lucas Taylor, of course, is good. He's already taken his official visit. Xavier and Thomas, uh, you know, we'll watch LSU. You know, we'll see what Brian Kelly and those guys do. You know, I, don't, I doubt they go at him, but they may. So we'll see how things progress. But that's, that's really the only thing we're worried about with him. R.J. Moss out of Biloxi. You know, one of the things I've noticed with him, I hadn't seen a whole lot of this uh, in-home visit stuff. You know, there's some kids that don't tweet out the pictures, but uh, I'm going to check on R.J. Moss. Uh, Caden Pope, of course, out of Savannah, Tennessee, recent commitment to Mississippi State, committed back on November 24th. Uh, I told you guys about Trent Janoris. Uh, then there's Wesley Miller, of course, the commitment from Columbus, Mississippi, an undervalued member of our class, in my opinion. Now, Davian Collins has already taken his official visit here, committed back in August, and then Jackson Cannon has already been here as well. And so you look at this and you say, okay, should be able to hang on to what we've got. You can't assume that, but that, it, as it looks today, that's how it appears to be that we should hang on to what we got. Now, I say that, and there, and there always seems to be something that happens late. Always, always, always. But So we'll, we'll keep our nose to the ground and our ear to the ground. I guess our nose to the grindstone or, or ear to the grindstone, whichever you guys would prefer. And, uh, you know, we'll take a look at this thing. Now, let's look at some of the other targets we have out there. Of course, we, we mentioned... Uh, Jackson LaHue, I think it's still too close to call with him. I think Trent Ramsey is probably leaning to Mississippi State. I think that is something that we'll continue to kind of monitor, obviously. But I'm looking forward to hearing from him. And then there's Percy Lewis, of course. Uh, Percy Lewis, the uh, one of the top junior college offensive line prospects in the country out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Uh, from down around uh, McAdams, it's a state Ole Miss battle. We knew that it would be. We knew that he wasn't going to Oregon, and he's not. He visited Ole Miss this past weekend, didn't do much in the way of media, but did say that he planned to make his official visit to Mississippi State. And then we'll kind of see how things progress from there. You know, that's the main thing. You get him on campus, you got a shot, right? That's what makes the Otis thing so disconcerting. Even though he hadn't officially visited a lot of schools, it's disappointing. You know, you expect to get him here and he doesn't show up. Uh, the writing's kind of on the wall there in many respects. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big move there. Uh, but Percy Lewis, of course, uh, a lot of connections here, a lot of connections there. Yeah, I'm told that the depth chart at Mississippi State is more favorable in his eyes, so we'll see how things progress. But, um, you know, we still got a lot of room to work with to get to the 25. And, of course, there is the one-time exemption, too, where uh, you can get back up to 85. We weren't going to have, contrary to popular belief, we were not going to have any issue getting back up to 85 this year. So in order for us to sign more than 25, we're going to have to have some more guys leave. And, of course, Aaron Brule left uh, last week, so that opens up a spot. Of course, there's two backers that have left within the last couple months, Rodney Gross and Aaron Brule, which makes this a two- to three-linebacker class, a four-linebacker class. Hopefully you'll add Stone Blanton. That's the expectation today. I think you add Stone Blanton, you add Avery Sledge, 
I think you can feel good about those guys. I think you can get excited about those guys. I think it's one of those things you look at and you begin to think, okay, this this class has the potential to be a really good class for Mississippi State. I don't think there's any question about that. So, yeah, I'm counting Stone Blanton. I'm still considering Mississippi State the leader for Percy Lewis despite his recent visit to Ole Miss. Uh, Larry Simmons has talked about making an official visit to Mississippi State. I don't think there's any, any doubt that he will sign with Ole Miss uh, on National Signing Day. It would be nice to flip him. I think he is the best receiver in the state. But I do expect him to, uh, to stick uh, with Ole Miss. Uh, we mentioned A.J. Allen a little bit earlier, too. Uh, but kind of getting down the list here, Calvin Dinkins is a guy, a, a defensive tackle prospect. I think he is your replacement for, for uh, Jaheim Otis. If Otis doesn't come, I don't think there's any question you take Calvin Dinkins. A lot of people are kind of comparing him to Cameron Young. Said so he is in that same type of mold, big, physical, country boy guy that hadn't had a lot of strength and conditioning around him. He's just kind of a country strong kid that uh, is kind of raw but has some incredible athleticism. And so is he on Jaheim Otis's level? Not not right now, but maybe he could be in a couple of years. So we'll see. But uh, I suspect that you'll see Calvin Dinkins and Avery Sledge and Chris Bell join the class between now and National Signing Day. And then, of course, we're still looking for some older DBs. We'll see how that kind of plays out. Uh, Jaquan Frazier expected to be here this weekend, as is Desmond Williams. Frazier from Coffeyville Community College out in Kansas and then Desmond Williams from East Central Community College over in Decatur. He officially visited Tennessee over the weekend. Now, DeCarlos Nicholson is a guy that um, was a one-time Mississippi State commitment. He is now currently committed to Kentucky. Expected to visit Mississippi State this weekend. Ole Miss still in the mix. Florida State still in the mix. Maybe not as much in the mix as they once were, but you can't count anybody out this time of year. I think things are trending more positively, but I, I still kind of get a Jadarius Perkins uh, feel from this. Of course, you remember he was a Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, corner last year who was expected to sign with Mississippi State on Christmas Day, and then it lingered on and lingered on. Then he ended up going to Missouri and transferring from Missouri to Florida. And so it has been a winding road for Jadarius Perkins. I don't think it's going to be that kind of circus, but I get some of those same kind of vibes from DeCarlos Nicholson. I think he's very impressionable. But I do think he could end up in the class. I'm not saying that he is going to be in the class, but I do think there is still a very good possibility that he flips from Kentucky uh, to Mississippi State. It's a long way from Pedal, Mississippi to Lexington, Kentucky. And it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. All right, that's going to do it for today. Listen, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. And uh, so, and I'm being, I can't guarantee you Christmas delivery. And I'm just being straight up with you. They're still kind of, you know, him hauling around. And I, I, here's the thing. I think they're just scared to tell me. And I'm not scared to tell you. As much as I love you guys, if you've ordered Dogpile, I don't think it's going to be there before Christmas. I hope that it does. I haven't been officially told that. But this may be something that lingers into January. And so I hate it. I have done everything that I can do to prevent it. I worked 18 hours a day, six days a week for six weeks and got this thing finished up on August 26th so we'd have some time to – uh, to edit, and then the printer would have plenty of lead time to get this thing out to you guys. And uh, you know, I guess that's just kind of part of the deal when you don't when you don't write books for uh, you know for Simon Schuster. You know, I think that's just part of the deal. But uh, it will be released sooner rather than later, and uh, we're going to be doing some marketing stuff, that sort of stuff. So I'm just telling you, if 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 you don't get it before Christmas, don't think that uh, it's anything that was planned or. Uh, it's just kind of part of the process. There's this national paper shortage, or so they tell me. 
that has delayed a lot of things. As a matter of fact, my publisher has multiple books with this printer and everything's gotten pushed back. And then we talk to our bookstores and we find out that we're not alone, that it's just there are thousands of books out there that were expected to be delivered before Christmas that aren't going to be. And so, again, I don't have any official word, but I'm telling you now, if that's what you were thinking, that you would be able to get it before Christmas, because that was what I was expecting, you know, for months. Um, I can't make you that guarantee because they haven't given me that assurance. And I, I'm just trying to be upfront with you guys, too. Now, of course, it will, we'll get to your book as soon as we have it. Uh, the rest of the story is that if you want Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains and Flim Flam, you can get those right now. And a bunch of you have. Matter of fact, I signed about 50 books on uh, Friday, I guess it was, that uh, is on its way. So you'll be able to wrap those and put those under the tree. And uh, so if you're looking for those, you can find them through Outgrade Bookstores in Mississippi, or you can order through dogpilethebook.com. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, of course, you can find it at Amazon.com. Uh, booksamagan.com, barnesandnoble.com, or through your local bookstore. I've rambled on enough today. We'll be back on Wednesday. And again, no basketball this week during the midweek. But we will have some recruiting updates, and that will be the crux of our show Wednesday. And we'll also kind of review the SEC season and kind of look at the winners and losers uh, of the SEC. And it's difficult to say we had a ton of losers when only one team is uh, ineligible, and that being Vanderbilt, who went 2-10, and a surprise to nobody. Uh, could have easily been winless team this year. But uh, you hope they kind of get it figured out over there. But an unprecedented year in our league to have 13 teams bowl eligible and all 13 going bowling, and not by default this year. How about that? Everybody actually earned bowl eligibility. So we'll see how things progress. We'll look forward to that and being with you guys on Wednesday. And, again, this is a great time to join jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate of 247 Sports. And I'm getting regular requests now. It's funny how these waves go. I guess it's Christmas time. If you want that Stark Villain hoodie, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. StarkVillains.com. And uh, it's funny, every so often somebody says, oh, my gosh, my kid loved this book or my husband loved this book. And they find out we have Stark Villain shirts and hoodies. And they're like, oh, I'm getting that for Christmas. So some of you are getting that for Christmas. You can find them again at StarkVillains.com. That's it for today, man. We'll see you soon. You guys have a great week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.